0: Welcome to episode 7 of the Mainly Football Podcast. In today's episode, we will be discussing some of the naughty behaviour from Chelsea in regards to youth transfers, the pick of the Champions League action, Arsenal and Chelsea's progression into the round of 16 of the Europa League, the Premier League title race, and the lead-up to the Anthony Joshua versus Jarrell Miller fight in June. So, guys, I'm joined by Jack Hill, the usual Jack Hill today. How are you doing, Jack? I'm very well, thanks, George. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, not bad. I'm glad to be doing our Friday episodes now. And uh, we've got a new guest today, we've got uh, Jonas Lupu, he's our French friend, uh, my centre-back partner for our university team. Jonas, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, my name is Jonas, I'm from France, from Paris, PhD fan.
0: And uh, he's got all all the knowledge about PhD, don't you, Jonas? I do, I hope. Help our uh, Champions
2: League talk today anyway.
0: Exactly, exactly. So today we'll be starting off with uh, some some of the naughty uh, antics from Chelsea. So Chelsea, they've just been, it's just been announced today, actually, Um, they've been fined £460,000 and the FA as well have been fined uh, £390,000. So this comes following a FIFA investigation of um, some of Chelsea's foreign under-18 signings, um, most notably Bertrand Traore, for example. And they found out of 92 cases, um, 29 of those actually breached FIFA's regulations. So um, Chelsea will be appealing. Um, I mean, we've seen similar situations in the past with Barcelona in 2014. Um, didn't seem to affect them, though. They still won the treble. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do you reckon this will be a big setback for Chelsea or do you reckon it could force them to finally start utilising some of the young players, players like Callum Hudson or I'll start with you, Jack. Uh,
2: I think it will be largely dependent on the sanction and whether they're allowed to delay it a little bit. I think if they do get a summer transfer window... I think Eden Hazard will go. They'll be able to replace him suitably, but they will arguably have to overpay quite a little bit. But if it's if the the appeal doesn't go through and they have to, they have to work with what they've got. Hopefully, we'll be able to see the likes of uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Ethan Ampadu, Ruben Loftus Cheek start to get more opportunities and other loanees as well, like Mason Mount, possibly Tammy Abraham could he come back? It's yet to be seen, but. Players of that sort of calibre can hopefully get some opportunities.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've heard murmurs that any sort of appeal will be quite a long process, so it'll take something like up to a year almost. So, I mean, it's looking like Chelsea will miss out on the summer transfer window, like you said. And um, so, I mean, I don't know what you make of that, Jonas. Do you reckon it'll be a good chance for some of the English youngsters and other youngsters to break through?
1: It all depends, like, if they're going to keep their playing or not. Because actually, I know that for the example of Atanadoy, I know that there's a lot of teams like, like PSG, even like I think Barcelona and Bayern Munich. There's a lot of team that wants him because he's a good young player mm. and it all depends like if they can keep the players or if they're just going to sell everyone and manage to work with what they have.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, it's not ideal for someone like Sari, who's come in and made some signings, but he hasn't got the, the squad to how he'd like it. We can all agree on that. And he's, he's seemed quite stubborn so far in his six months at the club. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's quite a frustration for him if he does stay, the, still, the jury's still out on that, um, but it's, it's looking like a bit of a, not the most promising sort of year ahead for Chelsea. So, we'll, we'll move on to the Champions League now, obviously we've had some, some big games, so we'll start with City v Schalke, obviously coming from the verge of defeat, 2-1 down, City somehow turned it around, obviously there was a bit of VAR penalty controversy, um, what do you make of that incident, Jack?
2: Um, The incident specifically, I think the Nicolas Nicolas Otamendi penalty, um, whether it's a handball, at first I thought so definitely because his arm obviously was out at the time. He's tried to move it back. Now, it's still come off him, which obviously it doesn't matter whether you're moving your arm back or not. I think that one is a penalty and there's enough contact from Fernandinho on the second one. Mm. And Pep Guardiola also said he he wasn't too... um, he was in agreement with the referee over the decisions. It was more to so the fact. Well, he he didn't say this, but in my opinion, it's more to the the frustrating part is more to the fact that it took so long, and the technology failed the referee on the night, so the referee wasn't able to use VAR. But to you, to give the penalty without knowing the decision, just because VAR has been called, it's. It's a frustrating one, and it's, yeah. it's not something we like to see.
0: What, what do you reckon he could have done instead of calling it? Would, would you have waited for longer and held the game up more?
2: I think if the rules are clear and obvious, the referee has originally not given that, and obviously VAR's has called for it. Mm. So if the referee hasn't seen it as clear and obvious and VAR hasn't stated otherwise, then the referee can't be sure that that's a penalty.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I guess the only thing of that is that um, if it's the referee's subjective decision then it can't be called on VAR, but it, obviously it's something that he missed, and which makes it kind of puts it in doubt. But I mean, obviously um, City turned it round. Was that was that more down to Pep or was that just down to the sheer quality in the side?
2: I think a lot of it was down to the quality because City really, well, we w- really weren't playing well um, over the course of the game. When we went down to them and struggled to string passes together, and they were really struggling on the pitch. And then the quality from Leroy Sane and the free kick, we've seen it against Hoffenheim earlier in the group stages. And obviously the quality from Edison absolutely sublime pass that to assist, Raheem yeah. Sterling. And Sterling's finished calmly. So it just goes to show the strength of this City team and how they really have got the qualities to dig deep and, mm, and get the win.
0: I mean, it's just, it's one of those games where in when you look back at it in a few months, it could be... One of those sort of ones where, you're like, oh, that that was really a turning point for them to win the league or the Champions League. If you do do both or one of the other, um, who stood out for you on that game, um, Jonas?
1: I think for me it was really like the strikers, like Sané and Sterling. Both of them was really good, especially mm. in the second half. But I think that game reminded me a bit of the game they having against Lyon at home. Like they struggled at first because like they were hoping to face a team that wasn't like good enough for them, and I think like. Between be, be, be being down like in the first half, they really woke up in the second half and really wanted that win because mm. now they have an advantage and playing home afterwards is going to be great for them.
0: Yeah, of course. And would you would you put the so you mentioned the Lyon result there? Would you say it was maybe a bit of complacency with the Schalke and the Leon match? Complacency from the City players.
1: Yeah, I think I think they, they felt like the team wasn't good enough for them. And there would be like an easy game for them, even though I think it was going to be like a 3-0 easy win for City. Mm. But having like those two penal- the, the penalties and the VR problem and everything, they had to wake up and they did it, which is good.
0: Yeah, of course. And uh, moving on to City's title challenges as it stands. Liverpool uh, hosted Bayern Munich, obviously had no Virgil van Dijk and uh, got a very respectable 0-0 draw. Um, so definitely nothing to be scoffed at there. I mean, how confident do you feel they'll be visiting the Allianz Arena? I'll start with you, Jonas.
1: Um, I think they're gonna struggle a lot because they had like Fabinho in defence, which is not his best place to best place to play. Mm. And I think they can have a result because as you, as we saw like against Ajax, Ajax managed to have a result there. Mm. And they can still manage to to do great thing because like Liverpool is a decent side, and when they're all in the game and with Van Dijk that's coming back, it's gonna be it's gonna be a different game. Like
0: it's, it's a tough one to call, isn't it? Yeah. What do you make of that one, Jack?
2: I think Bayern Bayern played their game plan game plan very well. So I think they've obviously a lot was made of the Anfield atmosphere and how it, intimidating it'd be, and a lot of other good teams know that if you go into Anfield and it's going to be a big atmosphere you're going to have to soak up the pressure from Liverpool and try and calm the crowd down a bit so it's not so end to end Bayern did that very well they retained a lot of the possession they limited they limited the chances obviously Bayern didn't have so many themselves and, and Liverpool weren't able to capitalise on the chances Yeah. but I just think they've They've wanted to keep the score down, which they've done. It's obviously finished nil nil, and heading to the Allianz Arena in the second, like they've got to be confident of a, res- of a result.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've got the driving seat, haven't they? I mean, obviously that the away goals. Um, I'm sure they'll feel quite confident of that. It's um, it's quite similar to it's. I mean, a, a game of the same magnitude of the the Liverpool City game earlier in the season, which also finished nil nil. So um, it's showing compared to last season, especially Liverpool, really have improved that defensive aspect and uh, being able to see out a game and not concede crucial away goals. Um, and moving on to, obviously, United v PSG. This was slightly earlier than, earlier than the other matches. Um, so obviously PSG, they, they kind of vanquished a, um, a sprightly United team, um, a very professional performance from PSG. What did you make of the result, Jonas?
1: Like, obviously I'm really happy and really, really found on the result. It was like an amazing game from all the team. Like for once, I was really happy with like the whole side because everyone was fighting. Mm. Everyone was hundred percent in the match, as we can see. Like Marquinhos, were like on Pogba every time because he know that if Pogba has the ball and they let him play his game, it's gonna be really hard to get the ball back. Mm. Obviously, there's like a bit of discussion with the Kimpembe was supposed to. Even for me, he was supposed to be sent off yeah and for once, like we had the advantage of not having like the referee against us Of course, yeah' with us.
0: I mean there was there was a few decisions in that match so young uh, well kind of shoved de Maria into the into the stand so I mean, a few players got quite lucky. You actually stole one of my questions there um <sighs> about Kimpenbe, but that's all right. it's um he did get quite fortunate, didn't he but I mean, I guess that's just He's quite a young player, isn't he? He's someone who's improving with every game. Um, how would you rate him in PSG's defense out of all of them?
1: Like actually, I love like our three defenders, even like Thilo Carrere. which is like we have two young players and a, and one that's like really know the game and have been playing for so long. Yeah. Even even his previous team like Tego Silva, and I feel like he's helping those two young players a lot, even though sometimes Carrere is playing on the right. I think that Kimpembe and Carrera are really like helping helping and with uh, our new manager like Thomas Tuchel is mm-hmm. like helping them develop their games be doing like less fouls because at the beginning of the season there was like a lot of fouls from them and they are coming to be better and better of course yeah c- keeping the pressures on the on the attack and keeping the keeping our, t- our defense well
0: yeah definitely and um what would you say the de- deciding factor was in beating an informal united side
2: I think I think they were heavily spurred on by Di Maria because he's obviously got a lot of hatred from the United fans and he's used it in his in his favor really to kind of spur them on there. I think the fact that PSG obviously had Mounier missing, they had Cavani, Neymar as well. Had, a lot of people overlooked PSG given United's form and how many players they had missing. So I think the doubt maybe to prove people wrong. Um, or oh, the doubt of other fans and then they wanted to prove people wrong and that they could beat this United side and so they did
0: mm, uh, I mean I guess they've 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 been playing with each other for longer and the United side whilst they're they've got 11 wins out of 13 under uh, Oligon and Solskjaer they've they were, they're were they more well drilled and they've they've kind of well been dominating Liga as always yeah. what did you make of Mbappe's performance because obviously since the World Cup he's really improved for PSG so,
1: since the World Cup he's like been like Terrific is being like so good on the wing, and now that like Cavani is missing, I was a bit afraid, because he's a young player. He's, even though he's really fast, he's a bit frail. Like mm. he's a bit fragile. Like you just have to push him and he will fall. Mm. So I was a bit afraid because like being like between like the two United defender, which were I think it was like Lindelof, Lindelof and, and Jones.
0: Lind- yeah, Lindelof and Jones.
1: Jones, yeah. So I th- I thought like he was gonna get like pushed around. But he managed to like go around them and use his speed as his av- as advantage. Mm. So it was really good. Like he was like doing his job, and I was like really happy about what he did.
0: Yeah, of course. And just before we move on to the Europa League, um, so out, out of those three fixtures fixtures we've mentioned, um, who do you see going through? I'll start with you, Jonas. Going through to the next round. So
1: obviously, I think like PSG will go through. It's is like, games at match, isn't it? 2-0 two, two advantage away is, like, huge. And mm. there's not a lot a lot of teams that manage to, like, have a decent result at the Parc des Princes. Of course, yeah. Which is, like, really hard with, like, as you talk for Anfield, like, the atmosphere over there is, like, magic. Mm. So it's going to be really hard for United, even though they can do it. But we're going to have, like, probably we're going to have Cavani back, so...
0: They'll, they'll struggle to... Um, score against PSG without opening themselves up at the back yeah. as well, won't they? Yeah. Um, what What about the Bayern Munich v Liverpool? So
1: I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a tight game again, but I I think like Liverpool with Van Dijk, back, they will manage to to win away. I think it's gonna be like a one 0 game.
0: To to, to Liverpool. Liverpool. Okay. That's so a bold statement there, and obviously City v Schalke.
1: I think City City home will like smash ha, Schalke
0: this it has time, to be, doesn't it? Would you agree with all those, Jack?
2: Oh, I'd agree with the PSG and the City wins. I'm not too sure about Liverpool Bayern. I think Bayern obviously they aren't they aren't top of the Bundesliga and haven't been at the top of their game this season, but. Just at the the Allianz Arena, like Jonas mentioned, obviously the atmosphere will play a big part from the German side. Mm. I think they obviously do have the quality, whether they'll be able to get the better of Liverpool's defence, which, like you say, has been very solid this year, is yet to be seen. But I'm going to go with... A narrow and win, but I equally wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool were to pull a result out of the bag either. Yeah,
0: of course. I mean, whatever happens, it's going to be a, a very tight match. Um, so that brings us on to the Europa League. So there's there's only Cha- uh, Chelsea and <laughs> Arsenal left in the competition out of the English teams. Um, so uh, Arsenal came back from a disappointing uh, 1-0 away loss to Bate, uh, Bate Borisov, and they won 3-0. Quite interesting, actually. So uh, it was a, an own goal from a Bate player, Volkov, then obviously uh, Mustafi and Socrates. I'm going to try and pronounce this, Papastathopoulos, something like that, Um, all defenders, all scoring. So quite a a strange uh, result. You don't always see that. But um, it's been quite a strange season for Arsenal. So they went 20 games unbeaten, but there's been a bit of unrest at the club, obviously still adapting under Emery. But I mean, how do you rate their chances of potentially uh, making the final? I'll start with you, Jack.
2: I think they have got a good chance. They've got they've got the quality in the side. They've obviously they've they performed well against Barthe last night. They've done exactly what they needed to do. Um, Special mention to Meza Urzel within that as well. He's come under a lot of criticism Mm. um, for his performances, but he was behind. He was the catalyst behind the attack last night, and I think when he's performing. He, he gets the best out of the other Arsenal players and that will only spur them on further in the competition. Of course, I, yeah. I, I see them having a very good chance depending on their draw.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, they actually they got drew, drawn against... Rennes. Yeah, Rennes, the French the team. The French team. Oh, OK. So, um, so, I mean, probably... Well, one, they'll definitely see they can win. Um, I'm sure they, they, they feel like they're stronger than Rennes. So, obviously, with Emery coming in from PSG at uh, beginning of this season... Um, you you know him as a PSG fan. How how do you feel he's done at Arsenal so far with his style of play?
1: So I think he's done what he was expected to do, like staying like between like the fourth and sixth place. And actually, I haven't really like I wasn't really like fan of him because like in PSG, like when I'm comparing him to like he
0: mm-hmm.
1: was not really like managing the player. He has like a he has a, lo- a lot of problem with managing all the players. Yeah. like has he had his history with Hatton Bonarfa? Of course, yeah. And so he's been doing what he what he hopes, what he was like expect to do. But he always has those problem. like the games away are always a struggle for him, and he hasn't managed to be like really consistent with all these all the players. Mm. like he know what he wants to do with each, each and every one of them. But as a team, they didn't manage to do what he wants. So I think that's the problem for the moment for them.
0: Yeah, of course. And um, moving on to Chelsea v Malmo. So it was a a 3-0 win for Chelsea. Um, Hudson and Doi impressing once again, getting on the score sheet as well. Um, He was greeted with a very large cheer from the Chelsea fans, obviously uh, one that they, a fan favorite and um, someone who's not really getting the game time. But there's been quite a toxic atmosphere around the club recently. and, uh, I mean, what do you make of hudson Doy's performance?
2: Unbelievable. I think... Uh, there's only one word, really one word to, to, describe to describe it. it. I mean, <laughs> I think it was... I've seen a... I've seen a, uh, I've seen a st- statistic. Um, I think it was since the January transfer window he's had 19 minutes of action. Wow. Now, I've, when he was being played so frequently during that time he was linked with Bayern, I had a slight feeling that Sarri might just be doing it to keep him on, on side at Chelsea and that maybe he wouldn't get as much game time afterwards, and that that has come true in a way, but I think after his performance tonight, he's, he's so impressive, so direct, his movement is very skillful, and he's exactly what Chelsea need on the right wing, and I think his performance definitely stakes a claim to be starting on Sunday, and um, he should fancy his chances.
0: Yeah, of course, I mean, it's like I mentioned earlier, with Sar- Sarri's um, stubbornness, He he doesn't like to sort of give into pressure but I mean um, obviously there was there was uh, at one end the Chelsea fans were sort of giving their praise to hudson uh, Hudson um but at the other they were sort of well giving their abuse to Jorginho what do you make of the booing at Jorginho uh, I'll start with you Jonas yeah
1: I like I think they're expecting more because like with the price they paid and what he was doing like in Napoli I think they're hoping like to see more of him like giving like delivering good passes and and being good like in the midfield which he struggled to do that a lot
0: of course of course i mean um obviously sarriballs Saribou, has come under a lot of scrutiny in the media recently do you reckon it's do you reckon it's suited to the english game or do you think it's just taking time to adapt much like arsenal for example um, as a transition do you reckon sarriballs actually got a long term future
2: i i do completely i think Everything's gonna take a matter of time. It's nothing is a quick fix, and if Chelsea want to redevelop the club with a Sarri ball style of play, he's he's obviously he's been very stubborn, and that's been his downfall at Chelsea so far with the Kovacic and Barkley substitutions. I'm so you've sure so you've seen seen that stat, mm-hmm. but but if if he is able to be adaptable and flexile in his system. So it's not so much a four-three-three a mm-hmm. and nothing else with very similar substitutions. If he can adapt that Sari ball into different systems for different opponents, that'll allow him to become a lot more, a lot more flexible. And if he does like get rid of this s- stubbornness, like you mentioned there, if he is willing to accept new ideas and take take a lot of different things into account, then I think we will see Sari. Sari Ball on the rise, but whether he has enough time, that is a different question entirely. Of course,
0: I mean, being at a team like Chelsea, uh, time is never really of the essence. Well, I mean, no, sorry, time is always of the effen- essence at Chelsea. But, um, and obviously they've got uh, quite a good chance of the Europa League. I'm sure they'll be looking at that final and hoping they can uh, get go the full way. Um, but that brings us on to the Premier League. So we've mentioned both teams already, but um, Manchester United versus Liverpool this Sunday, 2.05pm kickoff. Um, avoiding defeat will see Liverpool rise to the top of the table. Solskjaer, I mean, he's been very astute with his tactical side of the game and um, very clever, um, as we saw with the 2-0 win over Chelsea in the FA Cup recently. But, I mean, who do you see coming out on top of that game? I'll start with you, Jonas.
1: Um, I think, like, like the Chelsea game, United will come, like, be- bigger because, as you can see, like, after the loss against PSG, they were, like, so overwhelmed with everything that happened that they dedicated, like, the whole the the, ner- the nerve that all the players have on that game, mm. as you can see, like like for for Pogba and and Rashford and all all of those players, they're all like two hundred percent in the game, and they wanted to they wanted just to win, and I think that's one they want to do again against Liverpool, and they can manage to do it because. They they are struggling. They were struggling before and now they're just on top of every team that they're facing.
0: Of course. I mean, it's um, obviously they're, they're on a great run and they almost lost to Burnley, but they managed to get a draw. But, I mean, I guess losing to a team like PSG and getting that first defeat out of the way for Solskjaer is probably quite a nice one, a nice team to lose to PSG because uh, it's no, no shame in that really, is there? So the confidence in the side at the moment is just fantastic. I mean, who do you see coming out on top, Jack?
2: So I think it'll be... It'll be such a tough one because if if Liverpool are able to win, it'll be such a catalyst in terms of their form, their spirit in terms of the end of the season. But I think I think Liverpool obviously have the better quality, but the slight dip in form of late could prove to be um, a deciding factor. Obviously, United are coming the back of a loss against PSG, which won't have helped their confidence. But like you say, there, it it was gonna come eventually. They're not, obviously not going to go unbeaten. So it's, it's very much a quality against confidence kind of game. And I do see United coming out on top and therefore Solskjaer getting the job as, on the back of it. But like I said, with the buying game, Liverpool are very much capable of getting a result.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, um, what do you reckon will be the deciding factor in the match? Obviously it's it's going to be a match of very fine margins. You've got players like Sadio Mane and Rashford, both in fantastic form. Um, Salah's having uh, his seasons just improving every game week. Pogba has been the best player in the Premier League, probably oh, yeah. the last, well, since Solskjaer came in. Um, what do you reckon will be the deciding factor?
2: Well, I think they've obviously both got admirable defence and attack on form, but I think it will come down to the defence very much so because United United have been solid solid at the back under Solskjaer. Linda Loft, Jones, two in particular, performing really well. However, the. Their wing uh, their full backs haven't been as impressive. They've obviously done well to keep the clean sheets. So I think if Mane and Salah are able to really drive at them full backs, that could be a key area of the game and and with United's wingers, whether they'll they'll be able to get past Robertson and Alexander Arnold, that'll be a much tougher test than for Liverpool in that respect. But I think it will come down to who has the more solid defence on the day so we could see quite um, quite not a defensive approach but maybe not as attack driven as other times.
0: Yeah of course and what do you reckon will be the deciding factor Jonas?
2: I think as well
1: like Jack said it's going to be like the defence mm. like both, both teams have like a strong st- solid defence but I think like for the defensive wise like De Gea has been like amazing lately he's been doing like amazing save like f- each and every game has been doing like three four five or even more amazing save that other keeper won't won't do it
0: back to his best definitely
1: yeah and i think like yeah those though even like the mid yeah uh, there's going to be like uh really like dual in the midfield It's like who's keeping the ball and in the, all's going to come down to who's going to score the first goal
0: yeah i think that would be a, a massive factor in it um i mean i can see united going with a they've gone into a much more counter-attacking style now and i could see them absorbing that pressure not allowing any space for the wingers um for manet or salah um out wide at all but i mean um it's gonna be a game of very fine margins isn't it and um i mean as i bet as a city fan you'd never be hoping united would win a match would you
2: <laughs> uh, i wouldn't have thought i'd said this before but it'll just it'll be it'll be a good game and whether or well, who comes on to, out on top, obviously it'll be. It's yet to be seen. It'll be a it'll be a tough game, but I think, like I said, if Liverpool are able to get the win, it could spur them on because obviously there'd be three points, three points ahead and equal on games with City. If United win, it'll definitely push them into the um into almost definite running for the top four, and they're almost mm. sure to get a place after that. So,
0: yeah, it could uh, could go one or two ways. So, obviously, one team we haven't mentioned, um, Tottenham Hotspur. They're in great form. heung uh, Son has uh, been probably their standout player in Kane's absence. Um, but they've, uh, they're have they sort of a dark horse in the Premier League. I, I think we've mentioned this before, but they've they've got Chelsea coming up. They've got Arsenal to play. They've also got City and Liverpool to play. And the, the most interesting part out of all of that is that they're only five points off top. So, I mean, theoretically, if they, if they can get a victory, let's say, against, well, Ideally, if it's City and Liverpool, and they'll be a top by one point, um, that's obviously a big ask. But with Kane coming back, do you reckon they could do that or or come close? Mm-hmm.
2: I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, when we when we touched on it like a month or so ago, and I'm gonna still stick with the idea that I don't I just don't think they've got the quality obviously Lorente's had to come in in Kane's absence and at times Lucas Moura and Son have been preferred to him up front and that says it all really about the lack of options when Kane's not available. I think Kane will obviously be such a big help to them when they're back it'll be so important in their end to the season and like you mentioned Son's been fantastic so they've got they've got quality players they just haven't got it in enough enough depth they for me got the depth yeah to be able to because it looks as if they'll continue in the Champions League and if they are to if they are to do so I, I really don't see them ha- having a stake in the uh, Premier League race
0: yeah I mean you mentioned the Champions League there um, we actually didn't mention it earlier but we're going to mention it now um, they won 3-0 against Dortmund and Lorente did actually get a very important goal to make it 3-0 um almost sealing the tie. Uh, they've still got to go away to Dortmund. It's going to be a tough ask with, with the, the lack of depth, like you mentioned, of them being able to sustain a Premier League title race or a Champions League final uh, place. Do you reckon they've got a chance in either of them, Jonas?
1: Um, I think it's going to be real hard because, like, for the Champions League-wise, like, the team that are going to go through, it all depends on the draw. Like, if they are picking, like, uh, one of the worst teams, it's mm. not like the worst team because like it's the best European teams course, that are yeah. in the moment. But like if they like drew like for example if they drew like PSG or I don't know like City or something, it's gonna be really hard that if they're taking one of the lower team they can still go through. But I I don't I don't see like Tottenham going like all the way to the finals, even like because like they're they're struggling to to like they're struggling to go on and on about all the games and mm. and being good like being like consistent
0: yeah of all, course i all mean the games like it's um january marked actually it was two transfer windows since uh they last made a signing so i believe the most recent one was lucas mora i yeah. believe i'm correcting that from psg they've done incredibly well without spending the money and maybe this could mark for, so let's say they can get to maybe a champions league semi-final potentially shocking. they'll probably come third but let so they can maybe get second out of nowhere uh, you never know it'd be a productive season for them at least and um maybe this summer could mark uh, someone where they can really break the war chest open and have a massive transfer window what would you make of that jack
2: yeah i think with spurs fans have obviously been hoping for big signings for a while obviously dembele's left in january there's been another two outgoings on loan so they've they seem to be losing players more frequently than bringing them in, which is is not what you want to see. And obviously, with this new stadium, I think it has a has had a knock on effects in terms of the transfer budget available. But I think I don't I don't know whether Daniel Levy will have the funds to be able to back Pochettino in that respect. And there's a lot of talk of whether Poch- uh, United will buy Pochettino's um, contract out mm. in the summer i think I think it depends for Pochettino as to whether he's backed because for the current set of players he's definitely getting got the best out of them out of on out of what's available,
0: yeah, he's getting more out of them than you'd expect him to i mean it's it's kind of a case of it's like when are they get when are they gonna sort of have this this ambitious transfer window where they're actually are going to try and push for a title because they've definitely got the the first eleven at least, and they've got some players on the bench, and you've got players like Soko in and around the squad who, on the day, can be fantastic. Um, but I mean, I guess it's the transfer window this summer is going to be really, really important for them. Um, I don't know what you make of that, Jonas.
1: Yeah, actually, they ca- they made me think of like a one of the French teams are doing the same, like Monaco. Mm-hmm. Like recently, they're starting like to put the money out because like they needed the players because they were struggling in the league. And I think like as long as Tottenham will like stay between the, the f- first like five, five places, mm-hmm. they won't like buy any key players because they they are managing to like keep the players and keep the the coach. But if they're losing like either one of the big players or the coach, I think that's when they're gonna start like having like a massive change in the team because like the last two players that came in in Tottenham was like two players from PSG I think it was like Sergio uh, and yeah. Lucas Moura I think that's the two recent like their two latest like Mostly players recent that they
0: yeah I mean very valid point to that I mean um, it's for for the chairman and the fans especially the most worrying thing is is someone like Pochettino leaving I'm not sure Kane will leave but there's only a certain amount of time you can keep these players on board because they want to win trophies and they, they're they in this they've um they've kind of they're on board with the ideas of Pochettino, but they don't want to have a trophy career. They want to actually win stuff. And if that's, if that's with Tottenham or not, I'm sure some of them wouldn't mind leaving. Yeah. Someone like Dele Ali, I'm sure. He, he's got ambitions to win more. But, I mean, um, yeah. But that um, so that brings us on to uh, our sport and focus this week. So, last week, we talked about the Rugby League. Obviously, in the last few days, we've had some news about Anthony Joshua versus Gerald Miller, the fight on the on June the 1st. Um, so in the recent press conference, Gerald Miller actually pushed uh, Anthony Joshua. So there's been a bit of kind of I don't want to use the word beef, but increasing tension um, in that sort of in that scene. What do you make of the matchup, Jack?
2: It's an interesting one because obviously I think about since about September, everyone's been expecting him to announce a fight with Wild or Fury. Obviously Wilder and Fury are fighting later on in the year, in the summertime. So He's obvi- he's obviously gone with Miller, someone who's had a background in kickboxing, but not typically the kickboxing build, shall we say. Mm. He's obviously, um he's he can hold his own to say the least. And what'll come out of it is it'll be an interesting one because I think with Miller's record he's he's only he's yet to lose. He's had twenty three wins, one draw out of twenty four fights. So he's he's certainly not one to be overlooked, but I think that push was very what it wasn't it was just trying to get the trying to get inside Joshua's head which as we know doesn't seem to work.
0: Yeah, I mean he didn't seem to retaliate too much did he? He's quite a calm th- uh, figure. The only there's a few worries for Joshua because he, he's always fought on home turf so he's always fought in England and this is his first time fighting in America obviously in New York um, which is Jarrell Miller's home city. So he's you'd you'd expect the the crowd to be with Jarrell Miller and that Whether that has an impact or not, it can do, but maybe for someone like Joshua, it might not. Obviously, Gerald Miller's almost five stone heavier, so he's got that power in his punches. We're actually watching a compilation before we started the podcast, and um, you would not want to be on the end of one of those, would you? I mean, um, uh, can you see Miller taking Joshua's title belts off him?
1: Like, I don't know, because, like, as you say, Jack, like, both, like... Both of them are like on a winning streak and both of them we want to keep that. But have we seen like before, like on doing like those big events, anything can happen. Like even even though like one of them is like twice his side or two times or three times stronger than him, like you know that it can all change in only a punch. Like of one right punch is can ends and change everything. Even though he gets like one of them will be like dominated by the other. The whole, the whole rounds, just one thing can change anything. So, I think both of them can win, and it's gonna be a great thing to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially, especially with Miller being on home turf, you've kind of got him. He's gonna have a slight, sort of, be a slight, not the favourite, but have a a better chance than if he was fighting in England. Um, What would you make of that, Jack? Who do you see winning? I think,
2: like you mentioned, with the home, with the home turf and the crowd, obviously nothing seems to phase AJ. So I think he will be able to be a little bit more conservative, and obviously with a four-inch greater reach, he'll be able to pick out his punches. Whereas Miller will have to will have to be on his toes a bit more and trying to engage with J with AJ. I just can't see AJ's streak coming to an end, and I think um, he'll be sure to make it twenty-two knockouts.
0: He's like you said, a calm and composed figure, and. He's got the bigger reach and for someone it seems it seems like miller's quite riled up already and from uh, some of the press interviews he's done seems very very riled up very aggressive towards joshua so maybe he'll be going into that fight with a well much more aggressive much more offensive where joshua will be sort of being able to sit back have the bigger reach and being able to sort of pick his punches so i mean personally as as a an english person i'd like to see joshua win but i do feel like he will actually uh come out and become victorious I know Jack does as well. What do you reckon, Jonas?
1: Uh, I think I'll go for the small guy as, as well.
0: Oh, will Okay. So we've got two two for Joshua, one for Miller. It's, um And uh, very interesting. So we're almost at the end. That was uh, some very interesting insight there from both you guys. Um, I'm very much looking forward to that fight. It's uh, hopefully going to come sooner rather than later. Um, So this brings us on to our social post of the week. So obviously it's our weekly piece, uh, our favourite things from social media of the past week. Uh, we'll start with you Jonas this time. Uh, what was your social post of the week?
1: So mine will be like about the game of like uniting against PSG, it was like it's that image of like Di Maria with the, like the bottle of beer, like drinking up to those fans that's been sending him that,
0: <laughs> like making fun of
1: them. like. I'll take a, I'll take a, little, a small break before like having my corner or stuff.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, and uh, great sponsorship for Heineken obviously as yeah. the Champions League sponsor. I'm sure they were happy with uh, were, with that. Probably. Uh, what about Yeah, what about you, Jack?
2: I've gone with a video um from BT Sport actually. It Was when Joshua Kimmich made um a great challenge on Sadio Mane and they, uh let the passion from within roar out and um just great to see great to see defenders celebrating the tackles really because it's something that obviously is their it's their primary job and he's obviously um not too bad at it shall we say? yeah of
0: course i mean i guess in that sort of situation you're so hyped up you when you do make a tackle like that against someone who's well a great player you must be so happy with yourself and
2: especially at a key moment as well
0: with it being such a good position yeah definitely um I'll go on my, my i'll go with my one this is from at bt sport football i'm sure we all know who they are um it comes from city's match versus schalke and uh, there was actually a schalke fan um who was walking along the concourse i'll show you here so one sec oh don't want the sound let's turn that off quickly so it's just this man here and uh he's walking along with a pint of beer balanced on his head just just a bit of a show off really but um well, obviously shows the fantastic nature of German football, allowing to be able to drink in the concourse and also that man's uh, balancing skills. <laughs> but anyway, uh, thank you for that, guys. It's been a great episode. I'm, I've uh, very much enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for coming on as the guest, Jonas. Thanks for having me. And I'm sure we'll have you one in the future for definitely, when uh, definitely, United definitely. do beat PSG. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you once again, Jack. Thanks, George. It's been a pleasure. Of course, of course. And uh, we'll see you guys uh, in a week's time for our new newly scheduled Friday episodes. Uh, Jack will be presenting that one, and um, we're very much looking forward to bringing it to you. So thank you very much. Goodbye.